Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'll start. My name is Rod. And I like to party. Do you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? Hey there, Church Planner. This is Robert Frazier, one of your hosts for the Wednesday edition of the Church Planner Podcast. This is my friend Tim Galley. Hello, hello. Good to see you back, man. We did we didn't get a an episode on last week, and so we need to apologize to our to our 15 faithful listeners. We're sorry. <laughs> sorry, Evan. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> sorry, Mom. I'm sorry for um, those of you who just happened to stumble upon us this week. We're just we're apologetic across the board for for what we've done. <laughs> May God have mercy on our souls. <laughs> uh, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, I had a really great day today. Um, and the reason was because I, I had one meeting in the morning. Um, and then, like, I just I did whatever I needed to do. I, I tackled the inbox. I, I had some some big tasks and getting ready for the fall that I was able to just, you know, contribute great time on. And nice. I didn't have the clock winding down on me like, you got to get this done or you're going to be late for the next thing. Like, I was able to kind of like just think in peace. It was like the good old days. That is, that's a gift. I, I'm coming to ask sabbatical in a couple weeks and I've, I, I wrote down a schedule for myself that basically said, I'm only having meetings two days a week. And if the meetings don't fit in those two days a week, then they get pushed to the next week. And they get pushed to the next week. You were saying we're not in sabbatical? Yeah, when I'm back, when I'm back, like meetings are going to fit into my life where they belong rather than wherever everybody else wants them. That's amazing. I'm so jealous of you. Is it going to work? I just feel church planters like you, you get to like make up all of your own rules. (laughs) And like, 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 what is this? Like a nine month sabbatical? Like, yeah, we're, we're coming up on uh, year two. It's been really great. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm called to church plans. (laughs) I I think you are. It's, it's so easy. Basically anybody could do it. (laughs) Yeah. You just say stuff and everybody listens to you. Yeah, and and there's always way more money than you need, so you just give it away generously. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what people don't tell you about this, but that's that's the deal with church plan. Uh yeah. So yeah. any uh, any smack talk? Well, I, I was going to ask you this sincerely, and for our, our listeners, uh, tell us more about your sabbatical. Um, I, I actually really like that idea. Uh, two meetings per week, and if it doesn't fit, you go to the next week. Any other thoughts on uh, what you're going to do post sabbatical? Um, some things are coming into view. I've just been trying to figure out what parts, what parts belong, what parts don't. And I think, so, so one thing everybody realizes that they don't need me during sabbatical, (laughs) which is a, that's a great, there are, there are things they really want my input on, Sure. but I've got six part-time staff and key volunteers that own every part of the ministry of the church. And they didn't fundamentally have to have me this summer, Mm. which is a win. Like I I feel relieved beyond belief. The preaching has been better without me there, which is like a gift. You know, I've got, you know, my little sister, she's, she's one of the pastors on our team and she's a way better preacher than I am. 
and she's just killing it. Um, we've got this associate who's just been bringing his A game. We've got a church planting resident with us who is a great teacher. Um, I've got two uh, two elders who are retired pastors who are both great preachers. Nice. And then I've got like four missionaries who work with students or with refugees that are just, they go to our church and they're all great teachers. And so it feels like everywhere I look, there's somebody who can do what I do a little better than me, which a year ago, that wasn't true. A year ago, I was doing everything and I was kind of owning every piece. And now it's like God said, Hey, there's a new space for me to kind of do what I'm called to do, which I think more directional, more team leadership, um, more focusing on developing the people around me rather than me being the yeah. guy. So that's, that's a big one. I'm, I'm stoked about that. Um, I, I don't have any more clarity on, you know, what I'm supposed to do with my businesses and how I'm supposed to organize my time in my life. I went on a prayer retreat for two days last week. And that was honestly just stunningly refreshing. Mm. I slept for a day. Like it just, I took naps and just let my body like lean in and just walk with God. And just, I took a really long hike and read, read a book for three hours by this Alpine Lake just by myself. And it was just a, a great time. And I really, I really felt God say, lean in, I have some things for you. And so the next few weeks are going to be really focused on just carving out as much time as possible to be with the mm. father and create the rhythms that are hopefully going to be the rhythms that I bring forward of, you know, taking a walk every day. That's one of my goals coming out of sabbatical is I've got time to process in time to pray and time that's outside and time that's physical. And if I go for a walk and pray, all four of those things hit all at once. It feels like it's got to be kind of a key part of what's next. Oh, that's some good rule of life stuff right there. Nice job. I also want to affirm just what you said a, a few minutes ago. You know, a year ago, some of these uh, wonderful developments across your church um, and lay leadership you know, didn't exist. And, you know, that takes a self-awareness and courage on your part to recognize it and to curate it. And it sounds like that's it's been an incubator of the Holy Spirit for some kingdom development like that. That's just amazing. Yeah. A, a year ago, I was kind of a solo practitioner in every part of my life. And this year I've got I, I have two and it looks like I'm going to hire a third employee for my marketing business. The church went from one part time employee to five part time employees. They're all doing key jobs. It feels, and then, uh, our church planting network, we brought on three staff who are owning different programs and taking care of stuff that needed to, needed to be taken care of. So it feels like God has said, Hey, he has people. I just need to create space for them to lead. Mm. And that's true. And, and probably an important part of church planting that's harder than people realize is saying, I'm not the guy for what's next. And that's okay. I yeah. don't have to be essential. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're doing good. I got, man, today I woke up in Union, Oregon. You know where Union, Oregon is? Um, Midwest. It's like left of Ohio. <laughs> right in there. Um, <laughs> Union, Oregon is a little town in northeastern Oregon. Um, that the one of the most beautiful places on earth. You're talking like these stunning mountain ranges and all that. My in-laws live over there. So we I started the morning there. I left at 5 a.m pacific time drove three hours home <laughs> had a meeting from nine till like two o'clock and then my kids are back in school tomorrow and so it was oh. like a one one last hurrah go see the cousins we haven't been over to oregon for the summer and school starts man i'm i'm more than ready honestly i'm i'm aching for school to start oh i bet i bet especially when they're little Oh man, uh, my kids are just a little bit older. My oldest is going into tenth grade. My youngest is going into third grade. Uh, but but the older ones, you know, you know, like they've had like really great summers. You know, like one went yeah. on a mission trip. The one went, the other one went to summer camp. Um, the girls went to like you know things like dance camp and our you know our version of vacation Bible school. We call it Kids Week and stuff like that. But they've had the older kids have had just easier normal summers, and it's flown by for them. Like mm. they're they're counting down they're, they're like 10 days out i guess oh. uh, give or take uh the girls like you know they're like 
you know, it's been at times boring for them because they're little and, they, you know, time just moves at a different rate for them. Yeah. My um, second grader has been saying all summer, I'm just tired of being at home. I want to be learning. <laughs> and we're like, we're, we're tired of you being at home too. We'd like you to be learning as well. <laughs> uh, it, it's just such a no win for parents, you know, like, like in the school year, like you got to wake up like super early and you got to go, go, go. I felt like every morning when my kids were really little, like I was like, like, you know, like those movies, like where like the, the protagonist has to like dismantle a bomb, but like before, like it hit zero. And like, yeah. I had to like do all these things, pack lunches, get clothes on, tie shoes all before the bus came. Uh, I, oh man. It was like such an adrenaline rush just about every morning. Um, now it's a little but, bit easier because the kids can tie their own shoes. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then they're already. gone. Even, even if there's a rush, then they're gone for six hours like that. That pays for itself, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the meals done, the get the shoes tied, and we walk them to school because, you know, we're like two doors down from our elementary school. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's it was great. And we had back to school day. And I got to say, man, uh, you know, we we've, we've stayed in the same house for seven years. Our kids have gone to the same school all that time and it's paying dividends in relationship in our neighborhood. Um, you know, we, we walk through the, through the school, um, the back to school time. It's like the preview where you meet the teachers and you drop off supplies or whatever. And every single one of the classes, we know six or seven of the families. We know the parents first and last names. We've been to most of their houses. Uh, Like we almost half the kids in the school have been to our sports and arts camp that we put on in the summer. Yeah, yeah. And so there's just like all this kingdom overlap. And then, you know, there's these like dear friends who've coached soccer with us and coached T-ball with us. And it's like, it's this village that we've been curating and like creating together. And it just feels like, oh my gosh, look at what God's done in this time. So real good days. Good days, man. Well, I hope it's a great school year ahead. Yeah, me too. I think we're running down. I don't even think we even had like any smack talk, uh, really. Um, Last time? Or this time. I mean. Oh, no, we just, yeah, it wasn't really smack talk. It was just us talking about like, our lives. Like sharing about like life <laughs> and family and stuff. Like this is, this is well, terrible. Um, well, I've got I've got a couple sports things I want to talk about. All right, let's go. Well, you, you, you talked a little bit beforehand. Pretty hot take on you're ready to get rid of umpires at home plate in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. The, the human umpire has got to go in baseball. And, and, and I've long felt like, like I was, I was a proponent for like all the advancements and developments of instant replay and all those things. Like, you know, people would always say to me like, no, it slows down the game. And I'm like, no, I can't know more about the game that's happening if I'm watching TV yeah, uh, and like versus like the people who are actually there, and and is their job to know what happened, and yet I can tell just from my TV what actually happened. So yeah, I was talking. He has to catch up. Yeah, I was talking with my father-in-law last night about technology, and he was asking about who's the greatest football player of all time, greatest soccer player, and I said he he was asking if it was Maradona, and I go like Maradona's probably like you know in the top five, top ten, maybe the pantheon. And, you know, he won, he won the World Cup with the hand of God. Have you ever seen this video of the hand of God? I have, yeah. You know, like it's it's an important moment in soccer history. And everybody in the world knows that it's a handball that's that's creating this goal, except the one guy who needs to know, which is <laughs> yes. the referee. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, we get rid of that I've stuff. always felt that way. And, and, and like you could forgive that stuff, you know, decades ago. But, but like now, like with like the computerized strike zone, yeah, uh, which let, let's let's say for argument's sake that is like ninety five percent reliable. So it's it's going to miss. It, it has it has a little bit of trouble with the ball that goes through the zone. Um, yeah, so I, ball I, that I comes that from right. the outside and goes across the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get that part, or 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 the one that trails away type of a thing. But outside of those types of exceptions, like it's just better than the human eye. Yeah, and it's not the human eye's fault. Like no. like the ball's going a hundred miles an hour with like crazy spin rate and like this guy's got to do it all day for like three hours like he's gonna miss some like like, let's not let him do that so i'm ready to get rid of the the human umpire like they can have a job they can stand there they can like call the strike you know they can call the ball like you know through the earpiece you know is told to them like you know i'm not trying to break up the union what if what if they disagree 
what if they disagree with the, the computer? Can they over can they override it? No, they know that they were wrong. <laughs> if they disagree, Wait, you're telling me you're gonna wrong. find humble MLB umpires. That's what you're telling me. That's this that seems impossible to me. I propose if the umpire <laughs> disagrees with the call, that the batter or the pitcher get to eject the umpire out of the game. <laughs> You can't argue oh, balls no, and strikes. No, the coach, the other coach gets the ejection. The gets the eject the umpire. The fans get eject the umpire. And they all get to say the same thing. You can't argue balls and strikes anymore. Yeah. See how you like it. Yeah, yeah. You get in their face and you yell at them and you throw them out and you kick yeah. dirt at them. And the umpire gets all upset and he throws a tantrum. Like, that's what I want. That's the type of baseball game that I want. Man, if, you, yep. if, you, if you made me suffer through the pitch clock, which isn't the worst thing in the world, by the way. No, I'm 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 digging the pitch clock, man. Yeah. I think it's working. Yeah. If you made me go. It's, yeah, it's OK. It's there, there are moments where it like it actually yeah. is kind of weird. I um, wish they get rid of it in the ninth inning. Like, I think that it, it makes sense, like to give them the space as soon as it's a as soon as you're in a like hit or lose sort of situation, you should have as much time as you want. That's just the reality. I like that. That's, that's, that's reasonable. Yeah, thanks. So, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm looking for a point of debate here. Like, I mean, like, what do you think of robotic umpires? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I think that, like, putting in the hands of a computer always seems like a great idea. And then we're going to find the limits of the computer. And we're going to have to make sense of, okay, now that, what, what if those same computers are betting on the game? Like, through some sort of, like, AI integration. There's an API where the the computer guy from MLB has an account on DraftKings and he's calling balls and strikes based on what the line is. What do you do then? See, like this is not an infallible system. Uh, well, I mean, then the AI gets suspended for like the remainder of the season. <laughs> like, and then who calls balls and strikes? We're back to the human. You see what happens? <laughs> no, we got a, a different AI. Like, a you different, oh, a different AI. AI. <laughs> yeah, they're not, they're not all going to be the same AI. They're going to be that different computer AIs. program went bad. This next one will be fine. I promise. <laughs> no, it's going to be like the voices of like Garmin. You know, like you have like the American accent, the English uh-huh. accent, the Australian accent. You got different hey. AIs. Yeah, that... <laughs> strike. <laughs> exactly um i mean people okay. tell me all the time like tim don't you want the human element i'm like look if if pilots were as bad as umpires i'd be like no let the computer fly the plane yeah like we, we don't do that with anything else we don't we, we don't say like oh surgeons like well don't you want the human element well if if the surgeons were doing a terrible job and the the, the robot was doing a better job you would say, I would like my, the, the life of my, yeah, <laughs> my life in the hands of this robot if it's going to do a better job. And baseball is even more important than that. Here's a, here's a question for you. Would you, so I, I told you about my ankle, I think the last time we were hanging out. And like, I've been thinking about, they have ankle replacements now. And like in the future, if I need an ankle replacement, what if there was, what if there was a chip inside the ankle that literally like could have some sort of integration that you can control remotely. Does that change your relationship to implants in your body? If there is some sort of externalized control through a computerized like interface, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering at this point. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel like you're kind of like jumping the shark here a little bit. Like I, <laughs> See, I, I just want to I talk t- about I baseball. Took far. I took it too far. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Pete and Peyton talk for like a whole show on AI and I get five seconds and you're kicking me out. <laughs> that, that, I, I, that was a good show, actually. That was a very good show. That was like a month or two ago. You guys should go look that up. Yeah, no, that, that was a good show. They they have they have good ones most of the time. There's there's clunkers. Everybody's got clunkers, but most of the time they're pretty good um last one yeah what's the temperature for ezekiel elliott with the patriots like that the big news in in sports this week is the patriots find a a chubby old running back and they're going to turn him into like a thousand yard rusher like that's that's going to be the reality right yeah it's a little, little new so i'm not quite sure i i know in one of my fantasy football threads um with like my friends you know, like they're just like, oh, it, it'll take some of the pressure off uh, Stevenson, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, yeah. It'll take some of the pressure off of him. Um, you know, I guess that's fine. I, 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 I'm not a Patriots fan, so like, like I, I hope it goes bad all yeah. the way. I'm because a Giants you're a Giants fan. fan. Yeah, so I never just... liked Ezekiel Elliott. 
Yeah. I didn't like him on the Cowboys. Oh, I don't no. like him on the Patriots. So I no, just hope no. this is terrible for all parties involved. Here's the thing. Like I, I would say I, I love seeing the Cowboys struggle. That's what, like, I have true schadenfreude that I should repent of, but I don't. Yeah. I, because of the nineties, we all enjoy watching the Cowboys struggle. Um, and anytime the Patriots, like, here's the thing. Running backs are always a value. As long as you don't draft them in the top, in the first round, they're always a value because you need them and they're going to go bad. And they're only going to look as good as your, your offensive line plays. That's it. Like they're, they're basically a utility in football and the replacement from one to a hundred is like a 5% difference. Like there's, oh, it's just not a big difference. I'm feeling something here. <laughs> we should have a fantasy football, a church planter fantasy football league. Oh, this is a good idea. So, so like, like, like a, a big many one. listeners here. Who, yeah. Who, like, if you contact us, we will set up the draft. And we will have a fantasy football league. I, I'm not kidding. I, I'm, I will. Do I'm down. This. No problem. So go go on Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. I think that's that's our handle. You'll find it. Church Planter Podcast. Send us a note with your email, and we will set up. We'll even do like what up to 12, 14 people. Like sure, twelve sounds good. Yeah, I'll let's do, do twelve. So the first ten that join me and Tim will be on our fantasy football draft and we'll probably do it here you know what the first week of september oh i guess the, they, they have an extra game now so we have like a week left till yeah it's like like labor day weekend give or take is like the last time, the the last time. okay so, so we'll we'll have the draft like the week of labor day weekend and uh maybe even have like some book prizes for the winner like we'll give away something 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 awesome. useful we'll, we'll do it so we will have a like winner church pantology yeah, I bet we can get Pey- Peyton's not a football guy, but I bet we can get a book out of him. Oh, we should get him to play in the league then. <laughs> we should. We should. We'll have him pay. We won't tell anybody else they have to pay, but Peyton's got to put 20 bucks in. <laughs> and then we'll use that to buy his book. It's kind of, you know, it's oh, man. It's so sinister. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the plan. All, right. All of you jump on. Uh, sorry, if you if this is your first time on the show, this this has gotten way out of control you. today. The, we do smack talk at the front end, and we just My talk about whatever. 15 minutes, yeah, yeah. So if you need, if you want like real content, you always got to scrub ahead and find where we, we start talking about important stuff. But now, great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. What's this week's topic today, Tim? It's a it's a follow up, right? Yeah, this is part two in our conversation of when and when not to church plant, or why or why not to church plant. So. Uh, our previous uh, episode, uh, we talked about the reasons to church plant, and today we want to talk specifically about the reasons not to church plant. Yeah, and I, I think we both had a we we could come up with a list of twenty things immediately mm-hmm. for this one. We're probably going to try to keep it down below ten because there's just so many reasons to not plant a church. We had five really good reasons to plant churches. So if you want, listen two weeks ago. That was a that was a great episode. So this week we're we're gonna be diving in and looking at we've all seen really unhealthy people start and lead churches. People who had no business being in that work because of their personal character, because of issues in their family life, because of financial issues that came up. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's all sorts of tales we could all tell about about reasons to not plant a church. We really want to focus in, I think, this week much more on you as the planter and where you're at rather than the place. We don't want to focus on the external stuff. We don't want to focus on um, where you're going to plant. We don't want to talk about who you're going to plant with and who you're going to plant among and who you're going to bring along on the team. Like that's that's less important. We're going to focus on you, the church planter. And what what should be those those yellow flags and those red flags that you should have about church planting is if you, if you care at all about following Jesus, it should always start with humility saying there's something I don't know. And I should have some question marks about anointing myself as a spiritual leader. We should all take it with all seriousness. It should be something that we pray about and seek God and it should fundamentally even be something that's thrust upon us. Mm. Even if we desire it, it should be something that we feel like we have to do because God's making us do it rather than something that we're making happen ourselves. 
So, so there's, there's some things we want you to consider <laughs> and we'll just kind of, we'll do it just like we did last time. Go back and forth. You, me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you, me, rock, night of the Roxbury. Anybody? Okay. So that was, yeah. Nah, that sorry. was an old movie. Sorry. That took me a second. That, yeah, that's my sorry. time. I, I just missed that. Sorry, buddy. No, that, that is your era. Like you, you've got like, that was like college, right? Night of the Roxbury. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not a great movie. Not even a great sketch. Like, honestly, you look back at SNL and you're like, what were they thinking? Okay, so Tim, what's number one reason? Let's start with five. We'll we'll go five down to one and whatever we... Actually, let's start with seven. We'll go down to one because I think we have at least seven. (laughs) And whatever's number one will be number one. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. I I got a couple of disclaimers here. Okay. Uh, One, I feel like I really only got like one big reason. And they're all kind of connected to each other, and but I'll try to unpack it. But before that, if if I can also just try to just live with some humility here, um, I'm not a gambling man on on any level. Um, I mean, fantasy football is like the closest that I come to any sort of gambling. Um, at at twenty dollars a year, just burns a hole in your pocket. I just I just play for pride. Um, (laughs) I won one of my leagues last year, by the way. They gave me like a Lego trophy. Anyway. I'm not a gambling man. And there, there is that moment, like when your friend or somebody that you kind of know tells you like, Hey, I'm planting a church. And like, you, you're like, is this person going to do well in that? I'm not sure. I, I realized that this person had that in them, or is this person going to make it? And like, you, you do this whole, you know, quick audit, like, is this, is this a good thing? And then you start rooting for your friend because you love your friends. Yeah. And even if even if you think that there's some question marks, you still want to root for them. Absolutely, what doing is valuable. Absolutely, and yeah. so like I, I have I've had a few friends who a may not have been the greatest of preachers, or the greatest of leaders, or like people that I would consider to be extraordinarily entrepreneurial or apostolic, uh, and you know I've never ever ever bet against them. And praise God, numerous of them have done extraordinary great work in, in church planting. And so I'm, I'm rooting for everybody. Uh, the, that's, that's the thing that that's my, that's my preface. So I'm uh, root for everybody. The, the huge concern I have and what I have seen go very poorly is when people plant out of a place of pain. Now they'll say all the right things. They'll, they'll you know, I've, I believe that the Lord has called me to do this. They'll, you know, d- read all the right books and the website's going to look really great. So it's really hard to tell the difference between person A and person B. Like I, I often don't really figure it out, you know, until like, you know, un- unfortunately they decide not to plant anymore or, or to, to pull the plug on it. And I think one of the common denominators that I've seen when it goes wrong is that person starts planting from a place of pain. Uh, they were hurt in their in their last place they they felt they got a bad deal they were probably right they probably did get a bad deal and they along the way they said you know i'm leaving this gig uh, or i got fired from this gig i'm just going to do my own thing and because that wasn't quite a spirit led moment i'm not saying that god was absent from it i'm just saying because they the primary motivation was sourced in pain it was I don't want to say doomed, but it didn't work out. What, so that's my first reason. Pain, don't plan. What kind of pain did you see in that friend? Like what what are, what sort of pain are we talking about here? In, in one case, uh, there was a what he what he wouldn't. I think what he would say is a pain of rejection from the church that he was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't utilize him well. Um, they they underutilized him. Um. So you, you know, think his you think his ego was hurt and he was proving that he had. Oh, that's it a good way of saying it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. There, there was a sense of rejection and okay. and and there was like, you know what, I'm not going to play by these rules anymore. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to start my own thing where I get to kind of create my own culture, uh, one that's hmm. f- more fair, more just. You know, the way that churches ought to be, and you know, he used a lot of like you know New Testament language. This is the original design of the church. A lot of Acts 2, I'm sure he preached Acts 2 on his, on, on his launch Sunday. Everybody does. Uh, yeah, 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 it's, it's required. Uh, I'm sure he did all those things I, and, and, all, and, and countless good things. I'm saying the reason that you ought to not plant is 
the primary motivation can't be from the pain of rejection. Yeah. And I, I think in light of that, some of the ways you'll know that that's true is that you, the decisions you make are a rejection of what's happened before in your life. Yeah. So, so when you go to preach, you ask, well, what, how do they do it? There has to be a better way. And then you, and then you use that as a polemic against a lot of churches never even preach verse by verse through the Bible. Mm. Like we do, you know, because right. the last church you were at, they only did topical sermons, <laughs> whatever that, that thing is. If you, if your identity is in rejection of what's happened before, or to prove yourself or to respond to what's happened before, mm. I, th- I think you're right. That's a really dangerous place to be. Absolutely. As, as we tag team here, uh, what, what would you say is your, uh, Reason two, to not plant. Okay, um, man, there are so many. I'm thinking I'll start. Let's see. I'm, I'm thinking through some uh, some cautionary tales and, and trying to trying to anonymize them. Is <laughs> um, so yes. there was a guy when when I was planting, I somebody. I moved, I came back to Boise for a vision trip to meet with people. And everybody said, you got to meet this guy. And I go, okay, I'll go meet with this guy. And we sit down and he's about 10 years old than me. So he's in his late forties at the time. And he sits down and tells me, now I've done this before. I know everything that needs to happen and I'm, I'm ready. And let me show you, I, right. I can't imagine God wouldn't do something big with what I'm going to do. And then he lays out for me a fi- literally a 50-page church planting plan that he had written out, including <clears throat> when he was going to hire what staff and what their church budget was going to be the first, first four years and what capital campaign. Like, it was like, it was the blueprint of church planting. And what I saw in him was that there was this, this belief that if he had the right technique, it didn't matter where he went and it didn't matter if God was in it, but if he was there and if he had the playbook, it would work. And so if you're coming to church planting, expecting that there is a right way to do it and that you're going to discover it. And that if you use the right techniques, the spirit of God has to show up and bless the socks off the church you're going to build. The answer is that's never happened to put someone who demands it of God because it's about you and it's about your ability to engineer a community of faith. And what happens is, and what happened in his case is that when the people around him were not the ideal people that he had planned to plant a church with, he started to demand more and more of them until they all left. And with the end of his church planting journey, was that he had signed a lease for a retail space and had used an out-of-town architect that didn't know our fire laws here locally and then had used some of the capital funds for this tenant improvement build-out for his operating expenses because giving was down. And they brought that before the community one Sunday. And they basically said, either we can raise a bunch of money and move forward or we'll just close the doors and a 38 to one vote. They closed the doors that Sunday. So I, I mean, it was, it was, for me, it's just seared in my mind that pride itself, your belief that you can do it and that you have all the tools and that you're gifted enough to make it happen is itself a threat to church planting. And so if you think that you can do it, and if you think that you have all the tools because you have ministry experience, like confidence is not, will not overcome your character deficiencies and will not overcome the sort of leadership flaws that you, that are going to be revealed in church planting. And so the, the corollary to that is church planting requires deep humility. It requires you to say that even if this doesn't happen well, I'm going to spend the rest of my life following Jesus and making disciples and teaching the way of Jesus. Once you've settled that in your mind, then like the church itself is kind of a byproduct of it rather than yes. the church itself being the goal. Because the, the goal is to be one with Christ and that the community of faith would flourish in his presence together. 
and instead we've made it about us existing and so so stop planting churches and start start just planting the kingdom of god and seeing churches emerge out of it so that that's humility is the corollary to that sort of pride i like that yeah my, my the next one i have here is related to that um and so if if you use the the headline pride for that one uh, bullet point three um i'm gonna say spite mm. uh, you can't you can't plant with some hidden motivation of spite and the reason i think of that is when i was in college uh there was like this this new church plant in uh that was kind of connected to um filled with really awesome people cool people smart people talented people and there was some hurt like we were talking about previously um but but some of the conversation for like of like the dream of what they wanted to do looking back on it sounded spiteful mm. and I, I remember like the one comment like they were talking about this this local church that had like these really nice chairs uh in their sanctuary and they said something like we're gonna end up with those chairs <laughs> you know that, that shouldn't be a part of the conversation is the type yeah. of chairs you're gonna have <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, and, and it's someone else's chairs like you know like you know like as if this is like you know the goal um now I I'm not I know that wasn't part of like you know their founding documents I know that wasn't part of their bylaws and I know that was probably a passing joke but it was it was it was revealing and as a as a 20 something year old you know kid at the time for me it was like a little bit of a record scratching moment where I was like wait what in my immaturity I recognized that as like ooh that 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 feels that feels spiteful like I I don't and that's what that's what I like so much about the Church Planter podcast tagline. You know, you got to go where no one where no one else is going to reach the people that no one else is reaching. And so, like, if you're literally trying to steal the people sitting in the chairs and the chairs themselves, <laughs> the chairs themselves, <laughs> that's spite. That is spite. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that there's there's something even deeper there. It's spiritual ambition to make something great for God. Like that's the it's I'm I'm going I'm going to take what I like this vision and turn it into something so that other people see God in it. Like there's this it's a real subtle twist from I want people to experience God to a, I want people to see God in what I'm doing because it's really about me. And it's about like I, I think you're kind of touching on it's about us and it's about yeah. how we do it. And it's about us being better than them. And that's yes. spiritual. We figured know, it out. Hubris. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll yeah, we'll show that. them. We'll show yeah. them their their church. I'm sure their church vision statement was, you know, to show the love of God to to a world in need, and, and that's a yeah. great one. Um, but but the unwritten one, the was, shadow we'll, mission, we'll, yeah, yeah, the shadow mission was we'll we'll show them all. Yeah, we'll we'll show them all how to really do this thing. Yeah, and and any sort of pride like that that's about <clears throat> you you being the savior is probably a problem. <laughs> if if the church needs you to show them how to do it instead of it needs Jesus to show them how to do it. Like that's probably, that's probably a moment where you should give yourself pause and go, hold on. Not only am I the savior, but I'm the great white savior that must show up. Yeah. And I, ironically, the one we're trying to follow didn't have a Messiah complex. <laughs> Jesus didn't feel the need to save everybody. He just did it. So if you want to be like Jesus, stop trying to save everybody. I think nice. That's the, that's the answer. Okay, number right, shifting a little bit. I, I wanted to four? ask you. Yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you for four. Now we, we've been talking a little bit about pain, um, pride, spite. Um, out of the negative emotional energy, there's probably some other reasons. Um, and I've heard you talk about these things before. Uh, maybe you should not plant because of. Yeah, um, there's there's a few I, I think we should touch on, and they're in some ways they're connected. But this is this is about not just not just character but a combination of your character your spiritual authority that's been given to you by god's spirit in you mm-hmm. and then the the way the world around you has experienced you and and, and that that'll make more sense here in a second we'll we'll start with this one um you should not plant a church now this should feel hopefully really heavy to you guys who are who are planting but you should not plant a church 
if you have never personally led someone to Christ, Mm. if you've never sat with someone, explained to them who Jesus is and had them say, I want that. And then you walked with them through a process of repentance, confession, receiving the forgiveness of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and then starting the work of discipleship. If you've never done that with somebody, that's the whole job. And you're not qualified until you have done it. And that may sound like, well, you you may say, I'm not an evangelist. You may say, um, my, I don't know what, what has happened when I've preached at the youth group that I was at before. You don't know, you don't know what happens on the Sunday mornings with the hands that are raised. I see that hand over there, you know, whatever, whatever those things are. But I'm saying if you've never done the work of like actually sharing your personal faith and seeing it take root in someone else's life, that is a prerequisite to leading spiritually because the people who lead the church are the ones who make disciples, not the ones who lead organizations. And so when Paul tells Timothy, you, even though he was probably more of a pastor teacher, that's the vibe we get from like who um, Timothy was. I think Paul says, do the work of the evangelist. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to plant a church, do the work of an evangelist and see how God will shape you when you set aside, because all of us want to stand in front of 500 people and preach a gospel from a distance and hope that it takes root in someone's life. But very few of us are willing to share our lives with people who need the gospel and bring it to life in front of them, because it costs something of us personally. That's really good. In one place, you get honor and respect and authority by the position of the platform. And in other, you get opportunity and authority and respect by being in their lives. Mm. And I, I want I want to challenge you. If you're not willing to do that, you don't belong on a platform and you don't belong preaching. And so you've got to have a personal witness and people have to experience the gospel in your life. It may come across harsh, but I think that this is not something that's optional. It has to be a part of you. And it doesn't mean that God isn't going to have you plant a church down the road. It just means there's formation to happen in you. And you need someone who's going to mentor you and challenge you and bring you along in those things. You need to find somebody. There's this guy in town. Um, he leads a, he, he used to be on staff with crew. And basically he's just an evangelist. Every coffee shop I go to, in town, I will walk in and my friend John will be sitting there with some guy he met through a Bible study he leads at a CrossFit gym and he'll be walking through the gospel and then he'll walk up. I'll walk up and say hi to John and he'll ask me a question and I'll get to like, like share something like share a testimony with this guy. And that's John. Everywhere he goes, he shares the gospel. So when I sit with John, I ask him to tell me stories and I ask him how he does it. And I want to, I want to put myself under a guy like John, because I want to learn how to be great at telling the story of Jesus. So there's that. That's great. What about you? Number, number five, right? Number five. This is four. You started first. So this should be five, right? Oh, okay. Five. We're doing seven. We got, we got two more. Sounds good. I don't know if I, all right. I don't know if I have seven. Hmm. I, I got a couple. We'll, we'll tag team seven. Um, <laughs> but don't start a church unless you have clarity of calling and confirmation. Um, so this is probably one of the few contexts I, I feel like I can tell this story. And but um, when I, when I was an associate pastor of this church in New Jersey, um, we were collecting like all these wonderful interns and like this church was kind of like a little bit of an incubator for people going through ministry and starting a new ministry or just getting started in ministry and all of that. And, you know, like I, 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 I'm one of those people like who wants people to enter into the ministry. Yeah. Now I, I think we should not trying to protect it from people. You're trying to give it away. Yeah, absolutely. But I think we should ask, like, like, tell me, tell me about what led you to this decision. Tell me about your, your calling from God. And I had this one time, this one conversation with a a young guy who had never served in a church context before, uh, who was kind of like, kind of like floating through life a bit, but he knew he wanted to plant. And I was just, I was, I was confused. So I like, I asked him like, so like, how, how do you know that God wants you to do this? And he said, well, I was serving at camp a few years ago as a camp counselor 
And this kid said to me, man, I've learned more from you this week than I ever have from any of my youth pastors. I was like, well, that's, that's, that's great that God used you that way. From the mouth of babes to stroke my <laughs> ego. Here I am. <laughs> and, uh, and like, we're sitting, we're having coffee and we're talking and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like, find, like, there's gotta be something else to the story. And in my head, I'm like, it sounds like this guy's like a really great camp counselor. I don't know if that qualifies him to be a church planter. I don't know if that qualifies him to be a pastor. Like he, he, he's going to have to get a lot more experience in ministry in order for him to enter into the ministry, into, into the church planting world in that degree. And the more we talked, the more I just realized that was the only point of calling that he really had. And it came from a, from what I could tell a 15 year old kid yeah. And when I would ask him spiritually pointed questions, like, like, what is God saying to you in your time of prayer? There, there wasn't much to go on. And it yeah. felt yeah. that he didn't have clarity of calling and it felt that he didn't have confirmation. Uh, so when he would interview at places, you know, he wasn't getting hired when he would try to be a volunteer at places, he was kind of pushed out a little bit. There was just, yeah, it wasn't because clarity he, of calling. Yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't submitted himself to the formation of the way of Jesus and mm-hmm. to learn how to teach the way of Jesus. He just thought, hey, I'm good at hanging out with teenagers. That means I'm called. And like, that's, yeah, that's a real question. I had, so Gordon Conwell, when I was there, there was like five, almost 500 students like on campus taking classes. And I would say a full third of them, maybe more, did not have a clear sense of calling. Wow. They were spending $50,000 for an MDiv. And we're going to walk away from it and, and never step foot in a ministry or not stay in ministry simply because they didn't know if God had called them to be a part of leading the church. And I, I was always just blown away by yeah, stunning. Are you sure? Like, like I, 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 and, and a bunch of them were, were clearly not gifted um, to much of the work of leading the church. And they probably never have the opportunity to have a vocational ministry role but the seminary was happy to take their money. I'll tell you sure. that. Sure, sure. <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't any real vetting. They got you know they got a letter from some pastor saying, "Hey, yeah, sure, he could he could do something somewhere." That's uh, good. Yeah. All right. Um, give us another one, buddy. All right, number six. Um, this one. This is really important, and th- there's a guy that I've been watching and walking with a little bit from the sidelines the last couple of years. And uh we'll 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 put six and seven together because I think that they're they're intertwined. Okay. Okay. Number six and seven are this these two litmus tests. If you look behind you and no one is following you into church planting, mm. if you can't build a team of leaders around you and share with them and sell them on the vision of what you're doing. It may mean you're not yet ready to plant Mm. because if you can't convince somebody to follow Jesus, and if you can't convince somebody to follow you, then it's going to be hard to build a community of Jesus followers who listen to you and serve you and entrust to you the authority of the church. And so if, if you look behind you when you're trying to start something and no one's there, that doesn't like I'm the, for some of you, you need to push on and you need to keep going and you need to have a team of mentors and friends in your life that are going to say, you're going to do it. People like you, you just got to find the right team. Some of you are in that spot and you need to have somebody tell you that. So ask the people closest to you, ask the people who know you the best and say, Hey, I'm not getting the traction I was hoping for in the time I was hoping. And if they tell you, keep going, keep going and trust that God's going to bring it. But if you went into it expecting that everybody in your life would say, hey, let's do this thing. I've got this guy, his his brother-in-law is my friend, and the only people serving in the church are like like a little bit of family. And even those, they're not committed to the church plant. They were just there for the launch to help with a little bit of music sort of thing. And if you can't get those closest to you who care about you the most to commit long-term, that means that there's probably something yet to be formed in your character where you don't have the authority yet. People don't see you as 
they, they don't want their life to look like yours. Mm. And that's a really tough pill to swallow, but that should be a moment of realization to say, if people don't want their lives to look like mine, what's wrong with my life? What's wrong with my character? And what do I need to, what do I need to shape? What does God want to take and mold into the way of Jesus? Because if you go through that process and you walk through with a mentor, who's going to help you grow in your character and in the way of Jesus, and in even the way you do ministry and the way you lead, because all of us are unformed leaders you do that work, you're going to have the spiritual authority coming out of the yes, process to yes. do it. But you have to submit to that work. And that's really hard work. And it's not for everybody. So that humility to step in. And the second yeah. core, sorry. Yeah. I was, just ta- I was just going to tag that. Yeah. And so and conversely, if, if there are always people around you, like you're a natural gatherer and it's just, it's just part of your gifting. And, and you've known this about yourself since you were probably 14, 15 years old. Uh, you're, you've always been invited uh, places. You've always been inviting other people to, to do something. You've always been that little community organizer, that party organizer. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good sign that this is this is part of that, that type of leadership has been part of your life. Now, that, that does not mean that you should church plant. I'm not I'm not saying that. No, but but, but church planters of, need you. You should be asking what church planter can I bring my friends along with and how, like, <laughs> like if, if you're not even called to plant and you have that apostolic kind of gifting, there are people around who want it from you and they need it. And you can be that gift. That's true too. Yeah. But, but even like for, for the church planter, like they, most of the stories of church planters that I know, like they've, they've said something to the effect of, I've always been starting something. I've, I've always been the organizer. I've always been the gatherer. Like that's a sign that, that if, and so if nobody's behind you, mm-hmm. that's a sign. If there's always people around you, that's a sign. You know, like if you have been like the associate pastor in a church and people come up to you on some type of, you know, regular basis saying like, Hey, if you ever left and started your own thing, we would go with you. And people yeah. have said that to me and it hasn't led me to church plants. But it's it's one of those things that just kind of gives you a little bit of confirmation and awareness of like how people see you. Yeah. So if, if people aren't having a little bit of that conversation with you, that may be a sign for you to consider. Yeah. And and what it's really saying is God has grown you in a way where you're worth following. You're becoming someone who your life and your testimony and your character look like Jesus. And they're saying, I want my life to look more like yours because I see Jesus in you. That should be the response. And that should be the natural work of every follower of Jesus is the more you enter into the way of Jesus, the more people should be drawn to you, not rejecting you, but drawn to you. Because that's what Jesus did as he went about his teaching and living out his kingdom ways among his people a community formed around him because they were drawn to the power of the kingdom of God in their lives. So that should be a sign and directly tied to that. We'll do our, our our seventh and last reason to not plant a church. If you're trying to raise money and no one wants to give you money for what you're doing, Mm. that's, it's not a deal breaker. We planted our church for $25,000 a pittance mostly because I was bivocational and we had a very slim missional church model that worked for us. You don't have to have a lot of money, but if no one is willing to invest, including your key leaders and or your launch team and start to give regularly to it, that may be a sign that you haven't yet sold them, really helped them buy into the Jesus mission, the kingdom mission, the generosity of God's people, and the calling to participate in this apostolic work. And so one of your jobs is is to get out there and call people to radical obedience to Christ through generosity. Hmm. And it's a a lot of guys really struggle with this because they Number one, they don't want to do it. And so they find spiritual reasons to stay away from asking for money. But you see both in Jesus and Paul's ministry that they let their needs speak for itself. And people gave generously because of how they taught. They taught about the generosity of the kingdom and they held a purse that was a, um, it was a gathering point for people's money to be used for the needs of the people. And so if you can't do that, that's a, that's a function of leadership that you have to grow. 
And for me, uh, and I, I know for Tim, you've had experience in these things. You have to raise money to be able to do what you're called to do at times. And I was a missionary with crew reaching high school students. And I raised my salary for, you know, almost a decade. And that teaches you that the work of inviting people to give is the work of disciple making. When you call somebody to give up the lordship of their wallet, that is the fullness of the gospel taking root in someone's life when they're willing to say, what I have is not my own. The king has need of what's been trusted to me. And so I'm going to give it back to the king. And so this is, this is an important work. If you're not willing to go out and raise money and ask people for money and ask a lot of people for money and ask people that you like and people who know you for money, it may not like that if until you get over that, you may not be ready. That's a mm-hmm. part of the work is actually stepping into that. Anything to add to that, Tim? I just said that. No, I think I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Well, so hopefully we didn't. Our goal here is not to dissuade you from church planting. I want everybody to plant a church because it means that they're going to live as missionaries in their neighborhood and reach lost people. Go do it. Seriously, just go do it. Um, but all that to say, if you want to lead a movement of Jesus followers on mission, it's going to require that you become the kind of person that God has for you. And that's going to require you to go through the valley of the shadow of death, mm. face your shadow, face the places that are unformed in you and say, God, I want more. I want your spirit to transform me. And I want to walk in the way of Jesus. I want to walk in the way of humility. I want to walk in the way of service. I want to walk in the way of generosity. I want to lead in a way that is both challenging and inviting. And, and when you do that, there's this powerful thing where God's kingdom literally comes to life around you. And I want to say, please do it. Don't, don't give up because these things aren't true yet. It just means you're not ready yet. And you're, you're in process and God's at work. And um, one of the things I always say is that the average church planner from the time they receive Christ to the time they're ready to plant a church is somewhere between 10 and 14 years. That's how long it takes to form somebody who's ready for this work. And a lot, even you look at Paul, Paul spent 14 years in Arabia mm. preparing for this, this apostolic mission that he was going to get called into. And so all of us take time. And so don't discount that when you're 25, you still got 10 years left of preparation because God has a work and a plan for you. Don't short circuit it by missing out on the calling. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think that's what we should end on buddy. I think that's what we should end on. Okay, man. So uh, we had an invitation today and that was to join our our fantasy football league. (laughs) So, so don't miss that. Make sure to drop us a note on Instagram and with your email and your name. And we will, we will add you to, you know, what we should do. We should make it a punishing league where we use like Yahoo sports for it. (laughs) We don't even use ESPN. So it's like more difficult. Uh, No, there's an argument to me that to be made that Yahoo is better than ESPN. Oh, only if you're over 45. I don't know. Yahoo has improved their uh, their fantasy football interface. So I was on a I was on a league. My buddy he invited me into this like high stakes league four years ago, and it was like his family and extended friends and all this stuff. And it was a hundred dollar buy in. And oh. I was like, I, I had won my league like three years in a row. So I'm like, yeah, let's let's do this thing. Did a hundred dollar buy in, and I got my booty handed to me because the tech that they used was so old that I literally couldn't manage my team. Like it was like, it was like from 2002, this like text-based deal. And I was like struggling to like find my metrics and like, you know, I'm used to my ESPN plus analysis telling me where to like, you know, manage my team. So I'm, I'm not that good at, at managing sports, but I need my ESPN to be clear. Yeah, yeah. And, and having Marshall Falk probably would have helped you there too. Yeah, no question. No question. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I my very first league I commissioned was on was on paper. In like this was two thousand. How old are you? Two thousand four, man. I, I used to a boomer. Spreadsheet and uh, I, you know, we we'd print out the um, the box scores for everybody on on Monday, and we would or Tuesday, we'd have to like walk through it and like score everybody. It was the whole thing. That's man. crazy. Yeah, back in man, the day. Those days. Okay. All right. Well, Thank you so much, Tim, for being here. 
And thank you to all of our listeners to make some space. Remember, if you want to reach the people no one else is reaching, you've got to go where no one else is going and do what no one else is doing. Make sure to listen to next week's Monday episode. Pete and Peyton, or whatever their names are, they're doing a great job over there. We'll see you later, friends. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Church Web Builder. If you've been meaning to scrap your terrible WordPress church website, or you just need to actually sit down and make your church plants website, let this be assigned to you. With Church Web Builder's library of church-specific templates and integrations, and the included all-in-one marketing and communication platform, a beautiful new website is literally sitting there waiting for you to take it. Go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER at checkout. You'll get 50% off your first year. Yes, five zero. 50% off your entire first year. Again, go to churchwebbuilder.io and use the code PLANTER. For more from the Church Planter Podcast, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at Church Planter Podcast and on Twitter at CPlanterMag. We'd love to connect. See you next time.